Hello, and you're listening to UK Film Review Podcast. I'm your host, Lucy, and this week I'm joined by Andrew, and we're both film critics at UK Film Review. This week, we're discussing the avant-garde actress Tilda Swinton to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of We Need to Talk About Kevin. She's a great actress who's had an interesting career, um, and she's chosen between things like Narnia and Marvel, but she's also worked with very avant-garde directors such as Jim Jarmusch and Derek Yarman. Um, so, Andrew, what was your first kind of experience seeing Tilda Swinton on the screen? What was the first film that you saw her in? Well, um, I think like like many of my generation, um, I first saw her in Narnia, I think, um, if I'm remembering rightly. Um, I first saw her in the first Narnia film and then the second one, probably before I saw her in anything else, um, as the Ice Queen. Is that what she called officially? The Ice Queen? Yes. Oh, the Snow, Snow Queen. Queen. Snow yeah. Queen, Ice Queen. Yeah, one of them. Um, or no, White Witch, that's it. White yeah, Witch. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, in that. And then I just... I think as I got older and, you know, got more into films, you know, I saw her more and more. And mm. in my head, she was always... Because she, she's so perfectly perfectly cast as the White Witch, I think. You know, I'm not a particular, particularly big, you know, student of Narnia, the books or anything. And I haven't seen the films for quite a while. But I just that image of her, and she just fits it so perfectly with the short hair and that kind of or iciness. She has a certain mm. coldness to her in a lot of her films. Um, which she uses very well. She can have that like, a warmth and be more likable and charismatic. But often there is a sort of coldness there as well. Yeah. Often a villain or a, a kind of interesting side character, and rarely a sort of conventional lead or romantic lead in, in a lot of her films. Um, yes, she manages to have a lot of distance in her roles um, from the audience. She's not like an actress who really wants to talk to the camera quite a lot, which I find quite interesting. But like you, my first experience or the time I saw Tilda Swindon on screen was also Narnia. Um, I guess it is just our generation. Um, but I just thought she was actually quite scary when she semi-kidnaps Edmund from um, Narnia and mm-hmm. lures him in with um, Turkish Delight. And I think for a child of maybe 10 or 12, her whole demeanour was actually quite terrifying because she was this kind of extremely kind of icy, cold um, person who didn't care about humanity at all. And she was absolutely willing to, well, not kill, but turn things into stone at will. And she was absolutely horrible to children. And I think maybe something like the Harry Potter series, which we'd been watching at that time as well, mm-hmm. um, characters like Voldemort or something, they're, they're evil, but they don't really manipulate um, the children in the story. Whereas Tilda Swinton's, Swinton's character, the White Witch, she totally does. She kind of cons Edmund to come with her when he's made her she's made him some sweets whereas a lot of other villains are quite straightforward and I think that's probably what was the interesting part when I was a child apart from being you know terrified um was the fact that she was very kind of manipulative and I think that speaks to a lot of her other roles as well that she 
has kind of two sides to her character. She's not just completely evil. There's something a bit more to investigate there, which I just think it really speaks to kind of her interesting um, choices um, in kind of the film world. She she doesn't tend to play just straight good or straight bad guys. Um, So, yeah, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. She's got this... um... She's an interesting one in that she has an ability to play a very wide range of roles. You know, people mm. talk about it to a sort of chameleonic, but then she she doesn't have that quality in the same way other characters character actors do, where she'll just kind of um, embody whoever she needs to, like a kind of chameleon type actor, because she ha- also has that kind of indefinable sense of of her in everything yeah. she does. She's so recognisable physically. And she's so recognisable in terms of, despite being in a, a very varied selection of films, there is something similar to all those films, I think, by and large. There's a weirdness, perhaps. Mm, you know, yeah. There's an oddity to almost all of her films. They're different. or She's been in very few, you know, blockbusters. And the ones she has, mm. I don't know, there's a kind of kooky weirdness to all of them, yeah. I think. And, and Doctor Strange, of all the Marvel films to be in, that's the one you'd expect her to be in, probably. And I, I think out of kind of this time where character actors are sucked into Marvel quite often and just become part of really big IPs, you forget that she is in Doctor Strange and you kind yeah. of forget almost... If you haven't grown up with, with Narnia, you would forget also that she was... Um, in Narnia as well because her body of work outside of franchises is so strong and her involvement with franchises isn't kind of she's not in a blockbuster very often at all so I think she's kind of different from her peers in the fact that she's not let the way that the movie industry is now define her career which I think is really interesting because you can always expect something interesting from her as well and um from seeing her on screen too. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right there. I think there's a certain... Um, she she has a an aura about her where you expect her to be in an odd film, where you expect her to be in something not particularly mainstream, I think. And it's, it's quite rare, perhaps, that I think an actor, the first thing we think of for her isn't to the blockbusters. I think most people, no matter what they do, your first thought with them will st- will probably be the blockbuster they do mm-hmm. because that's the thing they are most famous for. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, Scarlett Johansson, maybe, who's actually been, you know, has worked with some of the same directors yeah. and has, you know, been in lots of great films and lots of very interesting and odd films. But generally speaking, you say that to most people, you, you think Black Widow probably first. Yeah, it's not going to be under the skin. <laughs> no, exactly. But, but I think Tilda Swinton has been in those kind of the under the skin type films to such an extent that I think you do um, mm. I think you do remember her for them more and you think of her more for them you think oh that's the kind of interesting art house actor who they've put in yeah to the blockbuster you know to give it a bit of prestige just because she can do anything you know that you, you feel that more I think and with, with Narnia in particular that's something I'll never forget obviously because I grew up with it but you're right there's a there's absolutely the possibility there that, you know, most people just forget she was in it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of, you know, 
move on to more of her recognizable roles like um we need to talk about kevin or um some of wes anderson's latest films where she is a recurring member of his ensemble casts Mm -hmm. um so i've just mentioned um we need to talk about kevin and since it is the 10-year anniversary this month um and she was such a great kind of choice in casting and her role as the mother in We Talk Kevin is so fantastic. I was just wondering what do you think about the film and also Tilda Swinton's performance in it as well? I think it's a fantastic film. I saw it not that long ago actually for the first time. Um, I don't know why it took me so long but it did. Um, I think it's a a masterpiece to be honest. It's It's a film I thought was incredibly good and incredibly powerful um and thought very highly of and yet at the same time decided i may never watch it again for a good number of years um if you know i'm not not in a hurry to watch it again Mm. at all put it that way um it's it's harrowing in a way that um i think a lot of films aim to be and Mm. don't succeed at i think that i think sometimes you know you think of something that's really upsetting quite you know really gets into your skin you're thinking more I think of things that are more more, um, instantly visually obviously upsetting more violent more you know obviously gory or upsetting or shocking but there's a a low-key quality to being so hot Kevin obviously a horrifically violent shocking Mm. thing that it's about but that's the event itself is is not really in the film that much it's all about around it and I think because of that, it gets under your skin much more. You can relate to it on a much more human level. Yes. Um, I I love We Need to Talk About Kevin. I Like like yourself, I've only watched it once because it is why, just why such a... Do that again? Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard-hitting film. I might revisit it because I watched it a long time ago. And it's by a great director, Lynn Ramsey. Um, if you haven't seen We Need to Talk About Kevin... Um, It essentially follows Eva, who um, is the character that Tilda Swinton plays, who is um, a mother who maybe didn't really want to become a mother. And she really struggles parenting her oldest child, Kevin, um, who is problematic and strange and difficult to control. And the entire title hangs on the fact that her and her husband, played by John C. Riley, never talk about Kevin and never really attempt to kind of intervene on you know this terrible destruction which the whole film kind of pivots around but it is the film is basically like watching a snowball well a snowball careen down a hill just getting bigger and bigger and destroying everything in its wake um and they just can't stop it and I think it's such a great film um partly because I'm a real fan of um, Lynn Ramsey's work with mm-hmm. stuff like Ratcatcher and Morven Caller, um, and it and her stuff tends to be on um, children or young adults who've witnessed something traumatic, but have a very kind of unconventional way of kind of compartmentalizing it in their minds. Well, that's you know her first two films are quite similar, and her latest, um, You Were Never Really Here, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Are, are very kind of similar in that regard. And I think you um, we need to talk about Kevin shifts that to the mother. The mother is quite distant and 
doesn't really understand this whole mother motherhood thing mm. and um it's just her attempts in vain to make her son not become basically kind a of monster. Yeah. yeah a monster just a horrific child um but it's so interesting and I think it's a perfect film for her it really is um because it's such an interesting role and like we've mentioned it's got this distance in the character in Eva because she's really reluctant to um do something about her son even though she's kind of aware that he could grow up to be a horrible person um and I think there's a brilliant sense of distance that only kind of Tilda Swinton could could pull off you know um but I just think it's fabulous um do you have any other kind of further thoughts on the film I know I've just been gushing about Lynn Lynn Ramsey for a no, bit yeah Lynn Ramsey's fantastic <laughs> you, uh, you and everybody here is is one yeah one of my favorite films of the last few years as well um again not one of one of really what Rewatching a hurry, but I remember being blown away by that. And and similarly, actually, in that sense, around an incredible performance in, from Joaquin Phoenix. And this is, I think, we know so Kevin has a similar quality to it. Whereas, as well directed as it is, and as brilliant as Lynn Ramsey is, it hangs so much on Tilda Swinton. And oh, it her, really, really does. Yeah, her ability to play a character who is in her in her movements in her mannerisms in the way she speaks and in the certain detachment that she shows to the people around her and to her son isn't necessarily immediately likable mm. and by that I mean she's not got a um she, she's a actor with great presence but not necessarily and, and charisma to an extent but she's not got the kind of charm that you know a lot of movie stars you know your big movie stars you kind of the ones that you're always your hero the people you mm. like immediately as soon as you walk on screen and I think here what's brilliant is she's got that detachment and the way she's going about things it doesn't make you dislike her she's not doing things wrong necessarily but she's she's not that easy to warm to and mm. that's counterbalanced against the fact that she is in an un, impossibly awful position I think the, the the place she is in in the film is immediately easy to feel sorry for her. She's she's a victim, but she's also seen by a lot of people out in the outside world within the film as horrific and as mm. terrible and as as being the problem here. Without going into too much detail, but and I think well, yeah, but yeah, I do feel incredibly. You feel sorry for her character and you see her as a victim, yet you don't immediately love her because. She, Tilsman plays her with such a kind of detachment, yet also vulnerability, yet strength at the same time. She's an enigma, really, that character, as a lot of her as a lot of her performances are. She has this slightly enigmatic quality, whilst also being quite relatable at the same time, um, which is a very difficult trick to pull off, I think. I think you've completely nailed the character of Thank Eva. You within the film because it's kind of like this detachment but she's also very vulnerable but then she also doesn't really want to let anybody in and the the relationship between her and her husband um played by John C. Riley is quite unusual as well because he she she can see the problems with Kevin um mm-hmm. she can see that Kevin yeah. is going mm-hmm. to do something awful 
And he's being played, basically. He is being completely played. He, he, for example, John C. Reilly's performance in that has a warmth to it. He's immediately Mm. quite likeable. You know, the dad does nothing wrong, really, in that film. You know, he's he's, he's just straight-up victim because he's being played by Kevin and... You know, yes, his wife keeps telling him something wrong, but he, he just loves his kid and doesn't want to, you know, see his kid as a monster. And there's nothing wrong with that um, and has no real reason to believe that. So, mm. and he, he's immediately quite likable. And John C. Riley plays him with that warmth, I think, which you need next to her because he's a much less interesting character. He's quite simple and straightforward. Um, and it's, yeah. it's her by contrast that's interesting. I, I just absolutely um, loved her, the nuance in her character. And I think it's probably one of the first films that I've seen that had, that really kind of talked about mother, motherhood and talked about it not in a way that like, oh, children are absolutely a blessed thing to have, but kind of examined it when you have kids that you don't actually want, which... I don't think is a common experience, but it's still a very interesting experience to show on film. Um, And especially because she has this resentment towards her child, which is really, really fascinating to engage with. And it's not a role that you see kind of is often up for grabs for um, kind of female actresses ever really. Um, And I think I haven't seen the film, but there's um, a new trailer out for the lost daughter where uh, Olivia Coleman. I was thinking of the same thing. Just, just yeah, you know, yeah. I was um, with this idea of motherhood, and, and I, I don't know how common it is, you know, and I don't, I don't have kids, um, but I think that idea of women as being naturally maternal or, mm. or assuming there's that bond there when it may not be sometimes, no matter how hard you try, that's perhaps something that I imagine is is present more often than we like to think yeah yeah Um, and it's something we don't want to talk about perhaps um you know that's not to say mothers don't love their children but there's a there's sometimes a difficulty there where I think Mm. we we, we see so many bad dads you know on on screen and and the thought that a a man doesn't connect to their child is quite a common one Mm. and we assume therefore that the woman that the mother that a mother would um, yeah, and therefore I just think it's that. And we need to talk about Kevin seeing that is really, really interesting, and it's just really nice to see. Um, well, the roles are quite nice, flipped, but, you know, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, and like, like I said, the lost daughter seems to have echoes of that. I haven't read the book, and I really know what it's about. Um, but just the trailer I watched this morning, yeah, has yeah. echoes of that. Idea Definitely, I haven't seen it because it it's obviously not coming out to Christmas. Um, but I think it's quite interesting that I think they have similar themes. I don't haven't read the book, but um, it seems like they're playing on similar themes of having children and then not quite enjoying motherhood maybe as much as you envisioned or having this disconnect between your children or something. Um, and I think it's interesting that in We Need to Talk About Kevin, you've got Tilda Swinton playing Eva and she's very, very distant. But then in The Lost Daughter, which, of course, I haven't seen yet, you've got Olivia Coleman who has this this warmth that is in kind of all of her characters. So I will be really interested to see how that plays out. And obviously, you can get lots of different actresses to play these kind of roles. But I just think it's interesting because you don't often get films 
that almost criticise this belief that motherhood is kind of internal and, you know, it's it's what Automatic. it's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really do think it's it's very interesting and an interesting way to approach um, kind of storytelling as well, rather than going, like you said, for the deadbeat dad who mm-hmm. can't be bothered, you know, but that's usually quite simplistic as well. But um, moving on from We Need to Talk mm-hmm. About Kevin, even though it's absolutely great film, um, I'm just wondering, what is your kind of personal favourite performance of Tilda Swinton? Oh, I mean... From that, Tilda Swinton. That, that's a big one. <laughs> that's that's a big one, obviously. I think that's um, the one that I think is a monument, monumental achievement, really. Um, and her other kind of big and achievement, I think, I suppose, is her Oscar win for Michael Clayton, which, full confession now, I don't know how I'm coming on a Tilda Swinton podcast without having seen it, but I haven't. Um, so I'll skip past that and maybe you can go back to it in a minute. Um, but actually, you know, I'm looking through, I have a list of her films up in front of me as, mm. we, as we're recording, so I can kind of remind myself of everything I've seen. Um, and a lot of my favourite performances of her, the little ones, you know, the yeah. one she, she pops up a lot in films she doesn't she isn't actually a leader that often when she is like when we're talking about Kevin it's something huge I mm, think and yeah. so weighty um that it requires you know a lot of attention really but in some of in some of her other films she just she's very funny I think that's, that's overlooked I think we think oh she's a bit weird she's in quite weird serious films but no she's in a lot of quite funny films and she can be quite funny in serious things so I'm I'm a big, as I'm sure a lot of us, I'm a big Bong Joon-ho fan. Um, mm. And in Snowpiercer and Okja, she's in both of them. She's great in both of them. And she's a kind of pantomime villain, really, particularly in Snowpiercer. She's yeah, particularly, kind of yeah. broad Yorkshire accent. Um, and she's horrible, like so horrible. Um, and it works, you know, on paper, I would just say, mm, really? Does, does that mm. fit the film and the... But he does absolutely, and again, it's, it's you know it's Bong and and the the tonal um, complexity that he is able to pull off in his films is quite remarkable. Really, but Snowpiercer is a, a dark film, visually dark film. It's it's upsetting, it's serious, it's heavy, and it, but it does have that levity in there. And I think, although she's a horrible character doing horrible things, she, she, there's a ridiculousness to her. You know, there's a there's a pantomime element that I just think gives the whole thing a little bit of buzz and a little bit of energy that you can't ignore. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and the same in Okja, really, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, so it kind of goes under the radar a bit, I think, Okja, in terms of Bong Joon-ho's films, and probably Tilda Swinton's as well. Um, it's It really, really hit me a lot. Um, but in that, she again, she plays a horrible character, and she she has a a certain pantomime quality to her in that as well. Um, so I think those two are big ones for me. And probably the only the only other big one where she really is carrying a film, I think, to an extent, um, is probably a bigger splash, the Luca Guadagnino film, which oh, I really yeah. like. It has, its, it has its faults, I think, as a film, um, but I do really like it, nevertheless. Um, and I think she's great. I think she's she's basically wordless, so she's a bit silent for pretty much all that film, isn't she? Because um, she's playing a, for those who don't know, she's playing a rock star, um, which obviously makes sense because you know she has, she could be, um, 
and but she's having to rest her voice. She's like strained her voice and she's having to rest it. So for most of the film, she doesn't speak. It's a kind of quite a nice concert into getting her to watch everything around her. Her performance is very internal. Um, and it's actually one, I think, it's one of the rare occasions in a film involving Tilda Swinton where she's upstaged, I think. Um, oh. In this case by Ray Fiennes, who's just this ball of manic energy and it's not to say it's a better performance. In fact, I think all four performances, uh, Dakota Johnson and Matthias Schoenert has been the, the final two. It's a very much a four-way film. that I think all four performances are fantastic um, in their own way, but it's definitely a very fine film. He's the scene stealer in that sense, but her were opposite in the literally the silent, um, kind of placid, quite cold, again, quite detached um, character, off which he bounces off. Um, I think she's great in that. And I think that's another one where she really kind of carries the film to an extent because she's the reason all these people are together as well um, in that film. It's it's a meeting of four people and she's the core of it. None none of that happens without her. And they're all really fighting about the fighting for her, the fighting about her, around her, and, you know, for her affections, for her approval, for her status, authority, whatever you want. Um, so it's another one where she's really, um, she really shines in that that major role that we don't actually get to see that often from her. That sounds um, really fascinating. I haven't actually checked a bigger splash out, oh, um, but I think it really does sound quite up my street, especially with the interesting element that she's completely silent. Well, yeah, but no, mostly she silent. Just speak. Yeah, she's not like it's not like she's pretending to be mute or anything yeah. like that. You know, she she speaks occasionally in a very hoarse voice. But I think it's more a kind of dramatic concept to get her to be quiet because it, it, what's interesting in that film is she's playing a rock star. Um, mm. You know, you don't really see her in the rock star bit. It's all about, um, I should probably explain a bit more detail for listeners what the film's about. She's a rock star. She's on this retreat, basically, with her, her husband, um, her younger husband, played by Matthias Schoenertz, and then her old flame, who's very fine, turns up out of the blue with his daughter, um, who is actually not that far away in age from Tilda Swinton's husband. So, uh, so everybody fancies everyone, basically. Right. It's one of those films, you know. <laughs> yeah, who knows who's going to end up with who, really? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's in it's in Italy, I want to say. Italy or France. Um, Italy or the south of France. Hot pool, nice house, villa, just kind of in the countryside. Very, very hot, simmering tensions, all of that. Um, and... She, I think, because she's this, she's the famous one, you know, in the film. She's the, mm-hmm. um, her character is the famous one. She's the rock star. She, by making her silent for most of the film, making her quite withdrawn, it allows all the others to get more to do in a way, you know, to give uh, them. Yes, yeah. he, Ray Fiennes' character, he's the rock star in a way, you know, in the, mm-hmm. within the context of the film, he's the one with the fireworks. He's, you know, hamming it up, and he's, you know, really very much catching the attention um which i just think is such a nice little contrast really it it sounds really quite interesting that you've got these kind of two levels of what you would expect i mean you would expect her to be um musician but obviously if she can't talk for most of it then Mm -hmm. ray fines has to kind of assume that position too i think that's going to be definitely on my to watch list actually that sounds amazing um but kind of touching on your comment about her um, 
theatrical nature and also the role of comedy that she often brings into her roles. Um, when you said that, I immediately thought of the character that she played in The Personal History of David Copperfield, yes. um, directed by Amando Aniucci. Um, and she plays um, Betsy Trotwood, who is an aunt or a relation, I think, of um, David Copperfield, and he's gone to stay with them. And she is so exaggerated, so fantastically mm-hmm. Dickensian, and absolutely ridiculous because when they first meet Peter Capaldi is her um, husband and she starts screaming about the donkey being let out in the paddock Mm -hmm. and there is this real great sense of comedic timing because you can imagine somebody else playing that role and not quite hitting exactly when to scream about the donkey Um, and she's absolutely perfect in that but it does kind of it it she leans more into her weird side rather than her um cold side. So I do think there's two sides to Tilda Swinton. Sometimes she is particularly kind of cold and fiercely dramatic, and sometimes it's very kind of comedic theatricality, which I mean I, I love both. Um if I were to be asked you know, what is my favourite performance of hers? Yes. I'm not sure what I would reply with, but she is one in one of my absolutely favourite films, um, The Souvenir, directed by mm. Joanna Hogg. Now, part two is coming out yeah, later she's got this a bigger month. role in part two, hasn't she? I think. Um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen it. I, I know there are, just from what I've kind of read. Yes. Um, I think she will do, because um, she plays the mother in The Souvenir. Of her own and daughter, is not? It's, it's, Sorry? A, it's her daughter, isn't it? It's in the her, her daughter plays her actual daughter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, that's very cool. But if you haven't seen The Souvenir, it's a kind of a semi-autobiographical film from Joanna Hogg about a film student who is Tilda Swinton's actual daughter playing a kind of refreshed version of Joanna Hogg, um, who... She's she's in the 80s and she doesn't know where she's going and what she's doing. Um, She's a film student, but she doesn't know what she should be filming and what she should what she should consider interesting. She's trying to break out of this very kind of privileged box that she's kind of grown up in. And then she falls in love with a much older man who is very kind of untrustworthy. He's got a lot of secrets, but he's very alluring and he kind of wants to encourage her to do her art and um, stuff like that. But Tilda Swinton plays her mother and um, they own such a big house in the country pile in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, And um, she's kind of like absolutely just not kind of with it, not completely understanding the relationship that... Um, her daughter has with Anthony, so this older man, and kind of assuming it's going to be okay. And there is this brilliant, restrained, very English distance that she has between, like, just in general with her daughter and just life itself. And she's very posh and very proper and completely unassuming. And I just think it's brilliant because it's such a different role to her ones where she's so much louder. She really kind of draws back and allows... Um, her daughter who I'm going to just 
look up her name very quickly. She's um, Honest Winton Blythe. Um, to kind of take in the spotlight. And I just think it's a really great kind of um, supporting role as well. Um, yeah, Souvenir, I would definitely check it out, especially if part two is coming as well. Yeah. Have you seen the Souvenir? I really should. I, I, oh, it's it's no, great. It's, it's such a, a real, good one. It's, a, it's a, um, a shame of mine that I haven't yet. But, um, you know, there's, there's time to come where I can, you know, fix that problem. So, yeah. Just just watch them both. <laughs> when, yeah, I watch them both when the new one comes out, yeah. I'll, I'll do it all in one go. So, yeah, um, The Souvenir is, you know, it's, it's pretty much one of my favourite films anyway. But I do think that um, Tilda Swinton gives such a surprisingly understated performance, whereas in a lot of her performances, she's quite loud and quite um, charismatic, or she's quite restrained um she's got this restraint and this mysterious nature and this mysterious quality that you're quite attracted to and you're just wondering you know what's going on there um potentially what she's most famous for at the moment um is all of her supporting roles with in Wes Anderson's films yes. so you've got um the Grand Budapest Hotel you've got the Isle of Dogs um and most recently the French Dispatch which is coming out at the end of this month as well. Um, and I was lucky enough to catch the French Dispatch um, during um, London Film Festival. Oh, yes. Um, and how is it? it I, I would highly recommend it. Okay, it's good. really good. fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see you next week. Yes. And she often plays these very eccentric, artsy um, women. So in the Grand Budapest Hotel, she plays a older woman, much older than she actually is, who um, has this very eccentric re- um, relationship, again, with Rafe Fiennes. Um, and you never quite know what this relationship is, but she ends up um, giving Rafe Fiennes and her will the painting boy with apple, which causes the entire kind of plot of um, Grand Budapest Hotel. And I just love that she's kind of, she will pop up in Wes Anderson's cast along with people like Owen Wilson and, um, you know, Ray Fiennes and all sorts of characters, which you're quite accustomed to. Maybe it's the Wes Anderson cinematic universe. I don't know. Um, But um, I always think she gives a very great performance that meshes perfectly with whoever she is with. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you think about kind of, Wes Anderson's films and Tilda Swinton in them as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. Um, I am a Wes Anderson fan. I'm not probably the best person to ask, you know, for in depth on um, on him. He's not kind of something, someone I'm a, a student of as such. Um, but I do really like her in the Grand Budapest Hotel. And I'm very excited to see her in the French Dispatch as well. I'm excited to see everything about the French Dispatch, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in the Grand Budapest Hotel, she's got. I did it. It's just it's just one of those Tilda Swinton performances. She just pops up doing something completely different again. Yet also, it's entirely you know understandable that how you see oh she's doing this. That's a bit odd. But you think no, it isn't really because it's her, and of course she's doing this because she she can you know. Um, and I I just think she fits in so well to that role, um, and fits in so well to his films because his films have a a. a Kind of, I don't want to say rogues gallery because there's not that much roguish about them, but there's a, there's an, you know, it's, it's a collection of misfits and oddities, mm. you know, 
it, it, it's filmed, there's no real kind of everyday normal people in, in a Wes Anderson film. It's not, it's not the real world. It's not our world. It's, it's filtered through a lens, isn't it? Yeah, they're all absolutely characters. And it all all looks, all his films look not the same, but similar. Mm. But they all look like they've they've been made in a candy shop or something. Yes, exactly. Particularly with the French Dispatch. Sorry. Really? No, no, go continue. Um, Yeah, the French Dispatch, I've I've seen the trailers and it looks like it's, you know, Wes Anderson doing his thing again. You know, it's um, it's Wes Anderson doing the Wes Anderson film, you know. Yeah, so... Um, I would say if anybody is going to check out um, French Dis- French Dispatch, um, be warned, it is the most Wes Anderson film. It's the it's Wes at his Wesiest, yes. essentially. If you don't um, like Wes Anderson, then don't bother. <laughs> yeah, if you if you have some aversion to Wes Anderson films, avoid it like the plague. Um, I read a review of um, the French Dispatch recently where um, the writer compared it to salted licorice and she said some people absolutely love salted licorice <laughs> but if you know you hate salted licorice you know it's Why? the same yeah. it's the same kind of deal. Yeah well, yeah don't don't go and see it basically. <laughs> you've, only, you've only got yourself to blame. But um yeah, I think she just works so well in this setting with exactly as you said, not exactly rogues gallery, but you know, a collection of misfits. Um and the character that she plays in um the French Dispatch, everybody in the French Dispatch is very kind of a supporting role. There is no main character really whatsoever. Um, but she is an arts um kind of editor and she's giving a speech about a famous artist who is also a prisoner and locked up for mass murder. Um, so she's just so theatrical and so precisely kind of brilliant. Like she's kind of mimicking a kind of New York um, or very kind of privileged American. Um, and I think she just does it so splendidly as well. She's absolutely fantastic, I think, really. Um, and now I, I think it would be a really kind of good segue into maybe Tilda Swinton in the past as well, because I think we've really talked about a lot of her films mm. from from now. Um, but actually in the 80s and 90s, she was a very kind of avant-garde um, actress. And she was kind of always in Derek Yarman's films, who he was a famous kind of gay um director who wrote lots of films really kind of well wrote and directed lots of films really challenging kind of the status quo such as um Caravaggio and Blue that was his final film and kind of many more and she was often you know his muse she was she was in a lot of his films and then obviously she's in Orlando as well and um I do think it's really interesting that she comes from this place that's intentionally avant-garde like she doesn't like her work her body of work doesn't start in something that's particularly um like keeping with kind of social norms she's immediately doing kind of avant-garde very queer work which I think really kind of speaks to her as an actress and is maybe why she can't be easily contained within kind of you know borders of how actresses are put into little kind of um pots and you know they have to be kept into typecast rings or whatever whereas I think because she started off in quite an avant-garde avant-garde space she's she can go 
quite artsy, but also she's allowed, allowed, she can do Marvel films and stuff like that without feeling like she has to limit herself almost. So I think she's got that great kind of quality to her as well. Um, so I know that was a big statement, but what do you think about that, Andrew? Yeah. Um, sorry, that was quite... Yeah, she. I mean, I don't know an, an awful lot about Dejan's work, and I know, so I'm happy to let you sort of take the lead on that. Um, but I, I saw her... Um, I saw Tilda Swinton in conversation once at the BFI um, and she was just doing a sort of uh, night with Q&A, you know, uh, with Tilda Swinton and um, there were questions about it. And, and she she spoke very fondly of, of that time of, of working with him, working with Dirk Jarman. And it, it is perhaps easy to forget now because she is quite a famous actor and she is still in different and odd stuff. But I think... At the start of her career, I mean, she was very much in the on the, working on the margins of cinema. You know, she mm. was in these films that were putting that were you know challenging people and were putting new ideas forward. And you know, she was a part of that. And she she has never been one to to make a film that she didn't you know want to do artistically I imagine you know she's worked some of the some of the great directors um yeah you know and you get the impression she's a real film fan as well and a few kind of film student herself um and another thing as well that's interesting about her is I saw um I've read an interview with her recently where she essentially said that I never really wanted to be an actor I still don't really. She, you know, she, she she said sort of, I kind of stumbled into this, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of just started because I was hanging around with the right people, you know, and those people, and that's time and that scene. And she did some acting, and she's obviously very good at, it. um, and she's just sort of stumbled into, it. and obviously that's you know, exaggeration to really say that. I know she's been facetious in a sense. Obviously, she, you know, she's she didn't want to be an actor. She wouldn't keep starring in things all the time. But there's a there is that quality to her where she's almost otherworldly. It's like she's just kind of wandered in to the, the film world and has done all these incredible things and is then going to sort of leave again. You know? Yeah, she, yeah. She, 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 like I say, in terms of her being a brilliant actor, you can play a vast variety of roles, but there is something Tilda Swinton-y about all of them. Yes. Um, no, I would I would agree with you. It, and a lot of her films, even from like you know her earliest films, they do appear as though she deeply believes in what she's doing. It's not just that she's just in this film for the fun of it. She deeply believes in what she's doing and she deeply loves and appreciates the art, the art of cinema as well. Um, And I think this can be kind of like exemplified by kind of most of the recent projects that she's been doing, such as like, you know, Only Lovers Left Alive and... Wes Anderson's films again but stuff like you know Uncut uncut Gems as well she really is careful with who she picks to work with um, and I just think you know it's so interesting how she chooses projects and stuff like that and kind of almost like she chooses to work with really kind of cool um, auteurs as well which I just think is is really interesting and is such testament to her especially when 
for a lot of kind of actresses, it's very difficult to have a body of work that really just stands out and really like is because we look at these films and we're just like, that is a Tilda Swinton film. Um, And I think that's so amazing because a lot of the time actresses do unfortunately get typecast or they do get put in kind of holes or they do kind of try and do a bit of everything like Meryl Streep, who is um, kind of in her own separate category. But um, I think it's amazing that we can sit here and discuss Tilda Swinton and really go through all of her films as well without feeling that she's just been put into some kind of acting hole and she's been furiously typecast for most of her career. And I just think that that obviously um, she's such a testament to kind of breaking out of boxes and, you know, really creating a career where she stands out rather than she's famous for being somebody's mother or somebody's wife or somebody's lover or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think she's really great. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I was looking through her her films and and the the amount of films in there where she's playing the role that a lot of of actresses have had to play, you know, in throughout their careers, you know, the the role of the wife or the mm. girlfriend or the mistress, the, the kind of the, the small roles that don't really allow you to do that much. Yeah. You know, um that even a lot of great actresses have kind of gone through, you know, and have played because that's what a lot of films require because that's um, the way the system has worked for so long. Yes, and there's not much availability for... For those other roles. For yeah. yeah, exactly. But looking through her films, she's, she still seems to have, all, through all this time, have avoided that. Mm. You know, she seems to have avoided... There's very few, if any, um, roles on here where she's not doing something interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I did mention... Sorry, I keep butting in. No, 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 no. go on, go on. Um, Well, I mean, like I mentioned with the souvenir, she is just the mother. Like, she doesn't have any other Mm -hmm. particular things Mm -hmm. to do. Her role is the mother to um, Honor Swinton Burns' character, which, you know, in a lot of films, that would probably be quite a surface-level role. But in... um, the souvenir, despite the fact that she is pretty clueless and she doesn't really understand the kind of environment that her daughter is in and the relationship she has with Anthony, she is kind of integral to that film and really, really important for her to be there. She's not just, uh, ooh, we need a mother figure, let's have Tilda Swinton in it. It it goes deeper Mm -hmm. than that and I think it's really interesting how she can look at something that is maybe a bit of a a kind of um, a role which maybe on the surface doesn't have a lot to do and she really kind of creates something very interesting out of it as well. That isn't going to say, I'm not saying that the role itself was always written quite boringly. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, no, but but yeah. I just do think she adds something to it. Yeah, and, but, and also to, to not you know, steal the show, to not be the centre of attention. Mm, Despite yeah. being in small roles, she is often the centre of attention because she plays those wacky those wacky characters that draw your eye, you know, that either she's doing that, you know, she's turning up in Narnia, she's the one that you're paying attention to all the time. You know, that's a big blockbuster and, you know, without any disrespect to anyone involved in the film, you know, any of the, the young actors or anything, she's, she's the star there, she's driving it, she's what's bringing the 
the charisma and the joy to it, you know, even though she's a horrible character, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that kind of like pantomime villain again. And there's that, that iciness and it, she's what's memorable. You know, there's very, those films, you know, there's a, I don't want to say bland, bland's a bit harsh, but you know, there's not a, um, a kind of, uh, there's nothing, you know, particularly memorable about those films in, in, in the main, but her character is absolutely that, that thing, you know, she's that, strong and and powerful um character who and this villain who just stays with you you know not in a kind Mm. of haunting way you know it's a family film but just in she just fits that role so perfectly she looks so perfect in that role as well no i would i would really agree with you she absolutely fits the the ticket i suppose um and if we're kind of thinking about the the wider world of actresses Mm. and women working in film today do you think there's anybody comparable to Ooh. Tilda Swinton working now if anyone good question um honestly off the top of my head I can't I can't think of anyone <laughs> um I think partly because she is such a a one-off I think to you know to a large extent she is someone who just it is her and she's famous for being who she is and for being Tilda Swinton, like I said, you know, in everything. Um, I mean, there's many, many great um, actresses and actresses and, and young um, people coming through as well who, who can do different things. But there's not many people who I think have the same quality that she has, yeah. the same almost kind of ethereal, like kind of otherworldly quality that she does bring to everything. Yeah. Um, and, and also just, I think, we're in a good way you know a positive I think is that we are progressing a bit and we are seeing I think more films led by women and more films um with female heroes and more films superheroes and action franchises and things like that and they're perhaps not a lot of the things she she ever did anyway she almost was a product of her time to an extent in mm. in being in finding ways to be spectacular in small in the margins because you know it was a she she's most of her career she's been working in industry where women particularly once you get over a certain age you know where women are kind of pushed into the margins of these mm. terms but i think if you're tilda swinton she's you're still you're getting cast because you've got that slightly larger than life quality to you where you're playing the, the baddies you're playing you know the weird kooky side characters and that's what she's there for it to an extent and I think perhaps a lot of younger actors now are thankfully in a way coming through with more opportunities to leave things and I just think if someone had made perhaps the impression that Tilda Swinton made when she was young now they're probably getting snapped up for a big blockbuster role and I think blockbusters recently as well have gone the direction of I don't know whether she's because I'm more aware of it now, you know, now, you know, kind of work, you know, in the film industry and watching things a lot more. But it seems that Marvel in particular and Star Wars, they're really snapping up kind of art house and independent talent early. You know, you look at Chloe Zhao making Eternals, you know, and she hadn't won an Oscar for Nomadland at this point. I think she was hired to Eternals before she'd really made Nomadland. She'd basically mm. hired to the Eternals off the back of the rider. And that's fantastic. And I, I just think those people making those films are, are all going into the blockbusters because they, there's been a kind of 
trend towards, you know, let's prioritise real quality in our blockbusters, in our Marvel films, in our Star Wars films, you know, giving known independent filmmakers the reins to do these things. And I think a lot of actors are going that way too. And that's not mm. criticism at all. But I just think she has a an oddity to her. That yeah. It's kind of its own thing, really, its own weird alchemy. Mm. And I just can't see her ever having done that or... Yeah, that's why I think I can't see someone else like that because I just think yeah. anyone who's as obviously brilliant and a star, the star that shines that bright is is a big star and is therefore not mm. Tilda Swinton because she isn't a big star in, in that sense. Yeah, she's not, yeah. She's never led a major high-profile big-budget film. She's yeah, the, she's always she, she's on the, the baddie, side. Maybe. She's been, you know, she's been the baddie in the Narnia films and she was in Doctor Strange as well. You know, not as a villain, but again, a kind of side character, you know, um, part of the hero's journey, as it were. And I just think, regardless of the roles that are available, really, she just never has has led those films because I just don't think people, I don't think people want to put her there. But I think it feels a bit like she's wasted. Um, mm. Because I just think, by and large, I'd say in a, in a big budget film with big casts and big budgets and you know all of that generally speaking i think your central character is often not your most entertaining character yes yeah They're often perhaps i mean snow piercer i think is a great example actually um chris evans love him he's great and it's not a poorly written character he's very engaging very likable mm. he's the hero to lead you through it all but he's but he's, he's somebody where the the audience can put themselves into their own sh- into his shoes yeah he's the everyman he's not dull He's not dull. It's not like, you know, I think dull or bland would be to say that the film hadn't done its job and then neglected him as a lead character. It doesn't. It's a great film. But the Chris Evans character is your your typical, you know, stoic, everyman hero around whom you have the John Hurt character. You have Ed Harris, Tilda Swinton, these great characters, Jane Bell, um, Song Kang-ho, far more interesting characters going on in terms of mm. much bigger performances who probably perhaps couldn't carry a film because they're a bit more one note. But I think that's often where Tilda Swinton lives. She lives in those yeah. roles. And I just think almost you wouldn't put her as the lead in those films a lot of the time because it just, she wouldn't, she's too different. She's too potentially odd and she can do kind of, she can make fireworks, you know, in a film and she can make you laugh and she can be, the person who comes in and steals the show for five minutes and then lets you carry on. Yeah, no. Like in in Hail Caesar, we haven't really talked about her work with the Coen brothers much, but in Hail Caesar, you know, the Josh Brolin character is nominally the lead of that, I think. Have you seen Hail Caesar? I haven't, no, actually. No, No, I haven't It's a real ensemble piece. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Just like the reading is. Um, But I'd say if there's a lead, it's probably the Josh Brolin character. And again, because he's the he's the the straight man in that film. Yes, yeah. You no, know, he he's, he's got this all this chaos is ensuing around him, and he's his job. He's he's a, he's a Hollywood fixer in the I think the ah uh, right. And he's he's trying to put out fires basically. So all the fires are the interesting bit, and John yeah. does a great job of finding the humor in you know putting out the fires. But he's that man. He's that character. He's very he's much an everyman yeah, sort of character. Yeah, his job is to be the straight man around all these wacky. Side, you know, Mister, hmm. you know, side characters, and very much she is one of those side characters. Yeah, and no, I think that's really kind of her role. Of <laughs> really 
Um, I think she's great in ensemble pieces. And I really liked um, what you said about blockbusters kind of eating up kind of interesting indie um, actors and actresses, because you do see it with people like um, Chloe Zhao and Florence Pugh. And yeah, I was thinking of, yeah. yeah, I always think that it would be great if they just did the one th- the one blockbuster and then are they allowed to go back to indies or allowed is probably not the right word. But um, I do worry, maybe with Scarlett Johansson, you've seen this quite a bit where she just stays in MCU a bit and the artsy stuff that you she's, she's in, doing. Actually, I think. And, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's not to criticise those, but I mean, I love a lot of those films. Mm. Um and I do think there's a, a merit to them, absolutely. And I do think that those films, perhaps, I think the bar has been raised for yes. blockbusters in recent years um, in terms of depth and and quality and it's something actually quite interesting to watch and to chew on. I think for an actor, it's probably a more interesting proposition to be in one of those films than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, for sure. Um, but I, I, just, I see what you mean. And I think yeah. with time, people go back more. Um, yes, I think yeah. there's a period where people, I mean, it's just in terms of time, busyness and schedules, you know, people are going to have to focus on one mm. thing for a while, I suppose. But it, yeah, there are pe- people you, you'd like to see Florence Pugh do hope, you know, because it looks kind of like she's set up as sort of the new Black Widow, doesn't, isn't it? And, you know, yeah. I like to hope that Florence Pugh is going to do more more of the Lady Macbeth. Midsummer type things. Women's. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I haven't seen this one, but in Little Women, it, 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 that's a great, great film um, with a great cast all round. Mm. She steals it for me. She's she's the highlight in a, you know, in a fantastic cast. So I just think, yeah, if if that's the case, you know, then she's got something special, and she can obviously carry those films like yeah. the Black Widows. But you know, yeah, all, I I, I have absolutely, that, you know complete faith that she's going to be great as kind of Black Widow yeah. 2 or whatever. Or whatever um, yeah. But um, I, do, I do sometimes worry that we've got a bit of oversaturation with all these blockbusters and Absolutely. it's it's just too much of a factory. Like you have a, you have a rising up and coming star and then they're put into Marvel and it's not saying these films can't be good, but it's just this, no. this landscape. You know. I think I'm not. I don't know how any of this stuff really works, and you know whose star is on the rise and who isn't really in terms of you know what the decisions are being made in Hollywood and who's thinking and saying what. But I think sometimes you look at this one and you think, are you maybe harmed a bit almost by committing to those blockbuster things and by them not succeeding? I'm thinking, you know, um, I've never seen any of the Divergent films, but I gather they weren't very good they weren't great <laughs> yeah they weren't very good and i know she has been in other things but shailene woodley was fantastic in uh, the descendants yeah and yeah that was, that was kind of her big breakthrough and she's amazing and then I, i'm imagining largely off the back of that she gets cast in um false in our stars uh, or something yeah um, she, and she yeah. gets cast in um divergent and then that but that's kind of probably one of the sort of failure failed big franchises i think yeah of recent um, recent, recent times, times yeah and i feel like you know you you wonder if she'd would she be a bigger star now would she be doing some really exciting things potentially if she hadn't been in diversion you know? yes if she and hadn't they hadn't got a lot of time and a lot of i think oh shouldn't we know now she, she's been cast as the lead in this big blockbuster that then mm. kind of 
it, it kind of an opposite of a, a Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence was a, yeah. was a star in the making who became an ab- absolute star because The Hunger Games was huge and they were generally pretty fairly good films. Um, and I'm not saying Jennifer really hasn't like, got a career anymore. She's been in lots of things. She was in Big Little Lies and you know she's going to be in more to come um, and interesting roles. But I just, people don't, talk, I don't know, I'm not hearing many people talk about her as pre yeah, and it's just it's tempting to look at that, I think, and and think, well, is it always? You know, sometimes you see these characters and you, you kind of lose potentially a few years of interesting stuff from some of these actors making blockbusters that nobody liked anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I I do hope that kind of Shailene Woodley can kind of get back to where she was after the Descendants. But um, if I also were to compare. Um, Tilda Swinton to kind of anyone working today. I have two um, okay, yes, kind please. of potentials for this. So they don't particularly get to the kind of slightly supernatural levels that Tilda Swinton often embodies and that distance um, that we've talked about earlier, but they do prioritise very interesting roles mm-hmm. and um they're often in lots of kind of character and ensembles where you're just like, is that, have I seen them before? Is that her? Yeah. Um, so I would pretty much say Tony Collette, who I mm. adore. And I think, yes. especially in something like, um, I'm thinking of ending things. She is very odd in that. Brilliantly oh, odd. she is, yeah. Um, I want and to then I think I would, oh, she's so great in that. And just, it's, it's slightly, um, it, it makes you just want to kind of scratch your skin or something. It's yeah. it's it's slightly um, kind of madness inducing, but it's such a great film. Um, and also um, Saoirse Ronan, because I think she's really kind of obviously chosen very particular films and she's got a real strategy of what she, cho- how she chooses to get cast for certain roles. But um, I do think what she has chosen is less weird and wonderful than Tilda Swinton. Yes. But I think they're both interesting, nonetheless. <laughs> yes, the two good good calls and two two of my favourite actors are working mm. today. Tony Collette's, I don't want to say underrated, because I'm sure everyone knows how great she is, really. But I think it's a name, you don't, you, I just don't think she's, you know, give, put on the pedestal that she deserves. No, really. yeah. But, and, I don't think I'm, people recognise her, because I think she's thinking, so good at morphing. And I'm, but I'm just thinking the versatility, you know, we're talking about range. She is on almost unparalleled in, in in modern filmmaking. I think her range of the range of films that she can um characters she can play is is quite tremendous really. And you look at yeah. you say thinking of ending things. Creepy, odd, weird, interesting drama. We won't get into the film too much. It's been talked about in a previous podcast. I quite liked it. Not as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good in it. Very odd, very good. Her and David Thulis Brilliant, love him, love brilliant him. pairing. Always love him, but you know, then you have like the strange you mother, you know. Yeah, you, you can do that. Then you got Little Miss Sunshine, you know. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. sunny indie comedies, you can do that. Knives Out, she's just great. She's everyone knives out's brilliant. Mm. She in particular has just got that kind of um, it's that really good line in it um, where I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis. The talk, they're all talking to. Um, uh, Daniel Craig's detective and yeah, Emily yeah. says, I read a New Yorker article about you and Tony Collette and then it flips to Tony Collette and she says, I saw a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. And she sort of, 
I don't know if she is chewing gum or eating in these films, but she, in my head, she is. Yeah, um, and she yeah. has that kind of. Um, but there's a lot of there's a depth to her as well. You know, she's mm. not just that kind of slightly stupid, slightly annoying character. Um, and then hereditary, just sheer um, terror. You know, she you know, horror comedy. Um, but then just something just kind of just slipping into the background a bit when she needs to. I don't know if you've seen yeah. Krampus. Um, I haven't seen that one, no. Comes, yeah, it's kind of horror, uh, Christmas horror. Um, yeah, yeah. Not the best film ever made, but I really like it. Just good. I love that kind of, you know, slightly knowing, self-aware, you know, the sort of horror in a post-scream world, you know. Um, and and she's great in the place. That's a kind of just, she's the mum role. Yeah. You know, but yeah. there is an, 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 a, a skill in doing that, you know, Um and Mu- and of course, you started always with Muriel's wedding as well. Yes, Muriel exactly, exactly. Which is a big. It's not a rom com actually. Um, it's much smarter than that. Um, and it's actually a really good film. Uh, Muriel's mm. wedding. I really, really like it. Um, it's such a. It's like an ABBA comedy. Yeah, but it's it's all, it's kind of a rom com without actually the rom. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just full of, of the com. Full of it's, it's a no, but it, it is a rom com that then twists it a bit. It's all about self love and self worth and. Yeah, yeah. It's good, and she just. You look at her there and you look at her anywhere else and you think, wow, I think she is a good shout. I think the, mm. the things stopping her from... I mean, nobody's the same as anyone else. All these conversations are, you know, just kind of tongue-in-cheek anyway. But I think the thing that separates someone like a Tony Collette from someone like Tilda Swinton, who we, we are actually talking about on this podcast, not Tilda <laughs> um, is is the fact that I think Tony Collette is much more chameleonic. Yeah, a little bit more kind of versatile. Is, but there is, I just think... Tilda Swinton is there is a, a recognizable quality to her. I think it's deliberate, and I just think I, my mum. Let's just bring my mum up on the podcast. She um, <laughs> she doesn't dislike Tilda Swinton, but my mum, generally speaking, doesn't like some of the films I like. You know, some of the kind of slightly yeah. weirder films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and somehow I'll say, oh, we should watch this film. It's got Tilda Swinton. It's like, oh, is it weird? <laughs> is and, it and weird? Like, yeah, quite. She's like, she's always in weird stuff, isn't she? I was like, yes, yes. So, so my <laughs> mom sort of assumes she might not like something because yeah, yeah. Like, not because she doesn't like something, but she's like, oh, it's going to be a bit weird, isn't it? Oh right, okay. Um, and but that's true to an extent, and I like, mm. I like that about her, and I just think that's what makes her so such an such a, a one off. I think is an interesting... having that ability to be a character actor and also be the you know the Tilda Swinton she has yeah, that. yeah. She, she has a kind of aura and a kind of movie star aura about her I think without being a movie a big star yeah you know I I would totally agree and I think we're just kind of um starting to wind up in a bit so yes. I've got a kind of final question for you um if somebody was looking for their next Tilda Swinton film um what would you recommend to to watch i mean if you haven't seen me need to talk about kevin you must rectify that definitely yeah it is uh, it is a masterpiece it is incredible but if you don't want to feel your heart die a little bit then maybe i mean okia is also incredibly upsetting um but she has been in nice (laughs) films as well um i would actually i'm gonna say a film we haven't mentioned yet because it feels like a good time to mention it, and that's only lovers left alive. Yes, um, yeah. Jimmy Mush, so cool. I mean, 
it, it seems it's just so effortlessly cool, isn't it? That you would cast her in that role. She's a vampire, but not really. She's a vampire, but not in the blockbuster sense. She's a vampire in the she just wears sunglasses all the time and sort of goes around in cool outfits and lounges around with Tom Hiddleston with long hair. Um, and she just looks very cool. And dancer just looks. I mean, I finished watching that film, which I liked very much. I was like, I don't know if that was good or if I'm just in love with you know <laughs> with her and Tom Hiddleston and the whole aesthetic of yeah, them yeah. just wandering around these streets at night and lounging and playing guitar and um, it's just, it's an acquired taste I think if you don't like Jim Jarmusch in general then maybe not but yeah it, but it is that is one where I just think that's Gatilda Swinton with that otherworldly yeah. quality which she that's her all over no that's like a perfect recommendation um so i would actually go for something quite different because i think we've touched on the fact that she's actually really into film she's not just somebody who will act in whatever she's she's very precise with what she chooses for her projects and um this is a film but it's also nine hours long or however long it's really it was separated into many parts Mm -hmm. and it's women make film it's a long documentary about um female directors and she narrates Uh, a lot of it the mark Mark cousins yeah yeah exactly um and she's just so great as a narrator but if you're kind of looking for something else where you want to kind of touch upon that maybe she's not just an actress but she's also got this real wealth of film history behind her I would really recommend this as well because she narrates it so well. (laughs) That's a very good call, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I think that's all from us. Um, I really enjoyed having you on the podcast and I really enjoyed being the host this evening as well. Um, So do remember to check out, um, we need to talk talk about Kevin for the 10-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, don't forget to follow us and read the reviews on UK Film Review as well. But um, I hope you enjoyed listening to um, our podcast on Tilda Swinton. And um, yeah, enjoy um, any Tilda Swinton film that you're going to watch after listening to this. Okay, bye.